Hi and welcome to What's Next. I'm Therese, your host, and I was trained to be an architect, I work as an architect, and I started this podcast to talk about what's next in the fields of architecture, design and technology. Facing topics such as climate change, artificial intelligence, and where humanity's place is in this fast-moving world. I hope you enjoy this week's episode, so have fun listening. Hello. Nice to meet you. Who are you? Please introduce yourself and the studio. Uh, hi, uh, my name is Dhaval Mistri. I am the founder and principal at Ixoy uh, Studio. Ixoy is a small, curious uh, practice, architecture practice, uh, and it's based out of Ahmedabad in India. Uh, the studio has been in operations for uh, 10 years now and currently I think uh, we are six people as a team, including me seven. Um, so far, I think uh, the more I can tell you, mostly we build building around the city, in the city. Most of our projects are in the city. Um, only a few, uh, we got the opportunity to do something else in other cities in India. Um, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Great. Before we get deeper into this, I would like to start with some warm-up questions about yourself as a person. And the first question would be, what's your favorite drink? Alcoholic, non-alcoholic? Well, for non-alcoholic, coffee comes on the top for sure. Um, I'm an addict in a way and a lot of coffee every day. So that's mm -hmm. for sure a non-alcoholic option. And for the alcoholic, I have a special condition. Uh, I'm allergic to alcohol, like all kinds, uh, all forms of alcohol. So if I consume anything, I have a reaction, uh, which is a little painful. Um, so, but except there's an exception. So if I have, uh, uh, so wine is an exception. Um, so uh, I sometimes have uh, some reaction with uh, young wines. But mm -hmm. averagely decent uh, aged red wine, I really enjoy whenever I can. Really expensive ones. <laughs> I'm not sure about <laughs> that. <laughs> not allergic to them. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I kind of uh, like this uh, part of my life. And I don't know if you're aware, but uh, Ahmedabad, the city and the state where uh, Gujarat is the state in India where I belong, This is a dry state, so uh, it, there is, we still have prohibition uh, in action, so consumption or uh, any kind of possession of alcohol is a crime here. So I think really? I'm... Really? Yes. Uh, I so, didn't know this. Yeah, so this is Gujarat, this state, this is where Gandhi was born, and I think it has something to do with his birth here. He never proposed anything like this, but after his death, I think government mm. decided to pay some kind of respect to the man and i think uh, everybody in the state uh, still goes through prohibition so yeah so my condition wow. is a perfect match for uh, the city i live in though yeah <laughs> <laughs> no interesting um if you could develop a skill overnight what would you wish for it can be anything okay so um 
there's this one thing which uh, has always interested me. I don't know how to do it. And I think my answer would be that. So I've always been interested in kind of tapping into collective conscious, uh, which, uh, which is a difficult uh, thing to explain, but I'm sure you all understand what collective conscious is. Uh, so in a way, I feel uh, of a city, basically. So in a way, I feel every city uh, has a tune to itself, which is kind of formed uh, by the beliefs and the ideas of its citizens. And of course, it's going to be varied and enormous amount of data of information in our heads. But still, when we put all of it together, there has to be a particular tune to that city. Uh, and uh, it would be really great if I could have that um, skill to kind of decode that information and kind of put it simply or read it or listen to this uh, tune. Uh, it would be amazing to have a tune to all the cities in the world. That's true. And I never had this answer before. Really interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite hobby besides architecture? I really enjoy uh, movies a lot. Um, so that's been a constant. Uh, otherwise, I'm a pretty. Uh, I have a pretty boring uh, kind of a schedule. But movies is uh, something which I always end up watching. Uh, and apart from that, um, hopping cafes, uh, sitting sipping coffee and wondering about everything is uh -huh. my favorite pastime, yeah. And watching people while you drink coffee? Yes, yes, everything like is... Like watching, watching people is a really big hobby of myself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and, and basically what I mean is wondering in a cafe is, is basically an open idea, right? Like you could be watching vehicles, you could be yeah. watching the sun, you could be watching a tree move. You could be watching the same person who prepares your coffee, but today he looks different. I don't know, just a small context and it offers enough to process and wonder and get uh, to meet someone new to, to all kinds of people. So yeah, uh, I, I really enjoy doing that. So I, I don't travel that much. Um, like mm -hmm. it, my story has been like pretty much I was born in the same city. I studied architecture at SEPT, which is in the same city. Uh, Uh, and then started a practice pretty early on, uh, ended up having projects in the same city. And uh, so I don't know, I haven't traveled much. And I think uh, I sit at the spot, basically travel without moving kind of thing. So I sit at spot and I can travel in my head. But that's really nice to say I travel in my head. I do, I do. Yeah, really nice. If you start your designs or your projects or your competition, Uh, is there something or someone who inspires you? Um, so, I think uh, there are many uh, things. I get inspired pretty easily. Like a lot of things can excite me and inspire me. And this is what I think about myself, uh, that it's very easy for me to get inspired. So I would again put in everything which I end up doing because I do very little. I think I'm, I'm lazy. And um, so if I'm watching a movie, I've selected the movie and a movie, it could be a movie, it could be a piece of music, uh, it could be a building, it could be a place I visited, it could be a person. I think inspiration is, uh, it really, I would connect it to, uh, at that particular time in my headspace, whatever I'm kind of thinking of, Uh, I would be searching for that inspiration. So everything which I end up interacting with or choosing to interact with, 
uh, I am actually looking for something and uh, somehow I connect those dots and uh, force that information or, or inspiration. And like I said, I get excited and inspired pretty easily. So uh, nothing in particular, but yeah. Okay, but do you sit then on your on your desk with a white sheet of paper or do you have to walk around, maybe go to nature or watch your favorite movie or whatever? Or can you just start, you have the competition, you read everything about it or the project that you're going to do and then you just start drawing? Oh. Or do you have to prepare yourself in order to start? Oh, there's, there is a lot of preparation though. Uh, so <laughs> It's it's extremely difficult to start a project in in I think for myself and for the studio because uh, so for example uh, I can I think I can explain that the best by recent things so when we get a project so for example uh, our first project was uh, a stitching unit uh, it was a pretty large stitching unit uh, and I had no clue uh, how these things work or what kind of infrastructure is required. So I think the first thing is when I, when we come across a project, uh, we get a problem, which is new, mostly we are a young practice. And first thing I want to do is uh, figure out uh, and go to as many stitching units, which I can access in my city or around the city, which I think have been done well. Go there, mm -hmm. talk to the people. So it's an industry. So stitching unit is a high density industry where a lot of people sit in a line and stitch uh, for the entire day. So then I end up talking to these people and uh, ask them that how do they feel what do they feel about the current uh, space they are working in do you sweat a lot is it comfortable what would it be better i don't know like when did these start working so a lot of mm -hmm. conversations random conversations like uh, i don't expect to get uh, precise information out of it but those mm -hmm. kind of things allow me to kind of start understanding the problem at hand or what one is getting to uh, design then mm. I think uh, some more research, uh, we definitely look at all the existing uh, solutions which have been already done. So for example, when we are doing a stitching unit, I would like to research uh, other stitching units around the world, uh, which we can find case studies. We will try to understand how they've addressed the problem, uh, spending time on site. Uh, and uh, then of course, uh, we start very rationally. Uh, so. Uh, because here, so again, taking we are very interested in doing industries as a studio right now, and mm -hmm. we've been kind of and so far we've done five of them. Each industry manufactures something else, so the entire process of understanding how that manufacturing happens uh, becomes a story and new learning. So, answer to your question is we start rationally, so understanding these uh, little uh, technicalities of the problem, understanding the site. Uh, the basic uh, uh, movement of the sun, light, uh, ventilation, orientation, the bylaws. So very rational process to begin with because those are the things which we might not be able to control later. And uh, once we have some level of solution uh, there, I think that's when the wondering starts. So that, okay, these parameters are kind of fixed. We can't really control them and they are mm -hmm. rational. So we can kind of pinpoint that, okay, this is the best direction to kind of uh, go forward with. Uh, and then we try to kind of put it together. Then maybe the movies, uh, the music, the people, some random ideas come together. 
and we try to bring in some emotion or some narrative to the project where uh, the rationality is already taken care of. Uh, and then the ideas of expression or, or, or something else uh, comes in play. That's where I think uh, we leave ourselves free. That is the only scope. Otherwise, uh, doing an industry is mostly cost-driven uh, and other things. So first, yeah. I think we take care of those things. But I think it's a good way to start, looking for the interaction with people and having a talk about what is maybe wrong now and how can we do it better then. I think that's a good way to start. Yeah, because I truly I, believe that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. I, I truly believe no. that uh, that uh, the, the designers ahead of us have already tried to address a solution. Uh, so if we can quickly learn uh, from their learnings, and at least uh, and and their mistakes as well and mm -hmm. uh, and that would be a better uh, way to start i think so that's why uh, some basic research conversations experiences with people who've engaged in the same problem will always uh, help us uh, i think half the race would be won there mm -hmm. and what importance has nature in your projects like what's your approach in terms of climate change oh That's a big question. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I do I do have a take on that. So uh, not very clear. But uh, I believe that uh, talking from architecture point of view, uh, I believe that uh, the master narrative when it comes to built environment has always been uh, about making this love-hate relationship work between man and nature, right? We, in the first place, we started building because we had to kind of protect ourselves from nature. Basic things like sun, rain, uh, wind, animals. So that is the premise where we started constructing in the first place. Uh, so it was anyways that narrative has been going on. And uh, today, I think uh, because uh, of the way we, uh, we've kind of grown as a society uh, in this capitalist world and we've been... Uh, we are too many of us and we are building too much and too many cities, I think. So the nature for us as a practice, I think, as I said, that it comes in the rationality part of dealing with the design solution where, of course, nature, when we, when we say nature, I'm going to look at the sun, uh, how it moves around my site, uh, how it's going to affect my building. I'm going to look at the winds which exist on the site. I'm going to look at the trees which exist on site. I'm going to look at the soil which exists on site, the kind of the soil, the contours, if at all there are any. So for that is nature to us. Uh, and we would like to kind of work with it in both ways. Uh, as I said, sometimes we have to protect ourselves from it, the nature. And sometimes we have to respect the nature and try to ha have a healthy dialogue within that. Uh, then when I see... Uh, uh, Like when there are tougher choices, right? Like we live in a way, uh, we practice uh, in a way, like India is a very booming kind of a country right now. We are kind of all, uh, uh, everyone, the psychological space is pretty capitalist. Uh, everything, every decision is based uh, primarily, the economic forces govern the projects pretty much. And especially like the kind of work we've been doing. Uh, when we do industries or when we do houses, we face this, uh, everything, the decision is based on economic forces. So there has to be some kind of a balance uh, uh, which 
has to be established. Um, but yeah, I think again to answer your question simply, for for us as a practice, nature exists on our site and in the immediate context of our site. Uh, and if if we can do do well in the premise where we are constructing, I think we're doing our job. And the 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 use of materials. Do you also think about it twice before using a material because of all the carbon fiber and plastic that we used for years now, for for years that slowly destroys our planet? And do you have an idea how we can design ourselves out of this use of plastics? And also in this consuming society, like we buy and we buy and we throw away and we throw away instead of repairing something. How can we design ourselves out of this weird circle of producing trash? Um, again, I'm a pretty I have a pretty optimistic view about this uh, because I think as humans, we first do and in time we learn. Uh, so uh, innovation and technology first, you know, like every scientist or innovator comes across a new material, finds the function of that material and then attaches commerce to it and it suddenly spreads in the society because at that point in time, that would be the most viable thing to do. So for example, uh, polythene or plastic made uh, impact on a lot of industries, generated a lot of jobs, helped a lot of people earn a lot of money at that point in time. But today, as most of us, and especially the young ones, uh, are very concerned about this. So already as a society, we've learned that, okay, we as human beings developed something, but it is, it is harming us. It's like, I always give this example of uh, uh, cocaine, uh, you know, like when cocaine was discovered uh, and made, somebody made cocaine and they all started consuming cocaine. So even like there were some uh, babies were given cocaine. But it, in time, they learned the, the adverse effects of that and then they banned it. Mm -hmm. So I think every time as humans, we are explorers. When we innovate at that exact point in time, we might not be able to uh, derive the negative impacts it might have in the future. So I, I'm pretty optimistic and those materials, uh, if, uh, and today we are living in an age where information travels extremely fast we have different voices so there are people who will be for commerce and there will be people who will be for environment and sustainability so there is a constant dialogue which is kind of happening uh, and uh, i i see a huge uh, amount of concern as i said like in the new generation so if like i i we basically i teach at set uh, and the subject is called sustainable uh, engineering sustainability And where we give this example of fast fashion, uh, basically we like to look at other industries apart from architecture because they are all kind of going through the same thing. So when yeah. you look at fast fashion, uh, even brands like H&M and other fast fashion brands have started kind of addressing this issue. And, you know, because the consumers are demanding now that what are you doing about this? And they would try to promote it in some ways or other. So I think when the consumers are aware, the industry will change on its own. So mm -hmm. it, it, it's eventually we are, we are consultants and uh, 
we will have to respect at a certain degree what your client or the audience wants. Of course, you might have your own say, uh, uh, which you can promote uh, in the dialogues you can have with the client. Uh, but like I said, that overall architecture is a pretty complex uh, thing. It comes across all kinds of parameters and these enormous amount of uh, uh, aspects which one has to take care of. So it's going to be a negotiation uh, in every project. So what we do is basically uh, we try to find a balance when we choose a, a material. And that's what I believe uh, that truly sustainable is. Uh, way to go ahead is finding a balance between the economic, social, and environmental forces. Because until they are all taken care of, nothing will move ahead. If I'm just a fanatic environmental uh, person, uh, I might not end up making any impact because my solutions will not be accepted uh, largely for the masses. And until I come out with a solution which can take care of the economic forces and also can take care of the social forces, then the impact could be larger because automatically I believe the society will embrace it with open arms because it just makes sense. That's a really positive uh, view on things. Yeah. And it calmed me down listening to you talk. <laughs> oh, we will find a solution. <laughs> no, we will because it is. I I truly believe this because eventually, uh, I don't know. Like I I'm a true believer in technology and the age we're living in. I'm very happy to be alive right now, uh, because it's truly democratic. Uh, everybody can have a voice. Together, we as a society will have to negotiate between different voices. And if we lose, if and we can't, I just hope that we don't end up uh, not listening to the other voice because the solution will be a negotiation between these different voices. Because mm -hmm. uh, because that's why this extreme views might not work. None of like the extreme capitalist views might not work. The extreme environmental views might not work. The extremes of anything might not work. Uh, a good negotiated solution. Uh, is and it's about people it's not about uh, us actually i don't think it's it's about the professionals or the thinkers it's about if the solution is good the society always accepts it and it just it you see a wave right like exactly like plastic plastic was a viable solution back then because it was cheap it made my life easy i didn't have to wash my bags i you know like it just it it generated a new industry it did all of it and uh, similarly like then paper bags came and then something else will come and then something else will come i think we'll always i think society has a disposal uh, discarding kind of a system if something is not good for society's health or earth's health it eventually discards it so things just become obsolete extreme never works this is a really good sentence yeah it's not doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> Um, if we have a look into the future now, how do you see um, the future of work? How do we work um, in terms of artificial intelligence? Do you uh, think that all the employees are still needed? Or is there just one creative head sitting and then you have artificial intelligence drawing for you and everything? How do you imagine the future of work? Uh, this question is specific to architecture or it could be work in general? It, 
also for the architecture field, but in general. Okay. Uh, so I've thought about this, and I, as I said, that I'm pretty uh, excited about technology and the new new things coming in. Um, so I think I've thought about this, and I really feel there are two aspects. Let's start with design. I think if I break down design to its primitive nature, I think there are two aspects to design. One is rational, and the other is emotional. Uh, so, so far what I see and what I can see coming really quickly into our lives is uh, AI and the machine learning or the computers, however we put it, is going to develop these tools which will help us uh, take care of the rational aspects of design. Uh, so we already have tools, right? Like we use at the studio, like these tools which will tell us the best orientation a building can have uh, for its thermal performance. Uh, or the best way I can kind of draw in light or if I want to harvest natural light. So there are these tools which are helping us already take the best rational decisions. Uh, also, there are some tools which can give, you, give me solutions for, again, something rational like structure. Uh, or something, again, there are some tools which are kind of taking care of the finances of the building, that it will give me the best solution to make something very cost effective. So, and there are other rational aspects to design. So I think AI will definitely take care of and make our lives easier uh, to kind of take the rational part of design. Uh, first solve it, because I think that's simpler to solve. Uh, but uh, I really would love to see that day when it kind of uh, reacts emotionally. Uh, so that part of design, how does that uh, come into play? Uh, and how would it kind of... Uh, I don't know. It's just it's it's a wonderful thing to kind of wait and watch what happens because I don't know. I was just reading this uh, thing. I think a week back, uh, Google fired some employee of his uh, from the artificial intelligence department because they were working on some bot, and uh, this guy basically just uh, tweeted about it that the bot has emotions. You know, the bot reacted emotionally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So and and Google just fired that person as the last update. What I got on that news. And uh, these things are happening, and uh, I think the movies were made, like the directors and these uh, people who make movies and write stories, they've imagined this day long back. Uh, uh, but I truly don't have, I don't see it clearly. But mm -hmm. yeah, as a human being, I would like to retain that job of dealing with things emotionally. I would not want that job to go away. Uh, so until it it until this AI takes care of and gives me the best solutions uh, rationally, uh, I would accept it with open arms and I would be the first person to use those tools. But I would like to employ my own emotions on my work and uh, I would like to retain the emotions we have as humans and uh, and see how AI kind of reacts on it. And if AI also get programmed the power of being emotional what happened to you then ah. or what happens to all the people what are we okay. doing then do we just have our hobbies and our free time and everybody gets some a certain amount of income every month and we just live our lives and ai just does all the work or how do you imagine okay so in that context also i have a theory so in that yeah. theory, I really feel that uh, that every every uh, organism on the planet had uh, a purpose, uh, and the purpose was uh, being a part of evolution uh, in simplistic form. Uh, 
So I think humans were also here to kind of uh, as a part of evolutionary chain. And maybe the day when truly AI is ready and it can also kind of do these things, I think our purpose will be achieved and maybe we might have to go because they will definitely be better than us. Yeah. Uh, so and how do we live? How do we live? That's, yeah. the, that's the point. I think uh, we might not have to live. Uh, uh, I think we might perish like dinosaurs. Because yeah. because it's like the next generation 2.0 is already here and uh, our purpose like uh, I don't know like have you uh, have you seen Matrix uh, the movie of course yeah, yeah? so in that yes. the agent remember that uh, line the agent tells this guy that uh, earlier program uh, they had programmed humans to be happy all the time uh, but yeah. they were not performing when they were happy you know they were not doing anything. And then they, they brought this uh, emotional tangent to the humans. They wrote a code where they would suffer. So, and then they started performing. And uh, however, we are complex beings. We are driven by emotions. Sometimes we are not very efficient because of our emotions and uh, the other aspects of our life. Uh, and we might all experience that. But a computer doesn't or a program doesn't feel that. Uh, so if at all that kind of a code can be written if somebody cracks it and in 100 years uh, if there is there is an entity which is going to be better than us then we might not be required but i think actually for our planet it would be the best if we would all vanish really really soon exactly again in the matrix this guy actually said this He said yeah. that humans are the closest organism to a virus because the pattern we have, and actually sometimes when I go, when I'm browsing to Google Earth, if you look at the cities, if, if planet yeah. Earth, if you just look at the globe, every city looks like a disease on, like, yes. like in a painting, right? Like mm -hmm. that it, something happens on your skin and there's a mark, right? You can see that mark of a burn or something else. And if you look at this Google Earth, Uh, or try and imagine the earth, every civilization, every city looks like a disease on the planet. So wherever we go, so he says virus does the same thing, that we, we go to a place, we use up, end up using all the resources, and then we migrate. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what a virus does. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. So, uh, so basically, like I said, that we have a purpose, and maybe our purpose was to... Uh, bring birth to the next better version of ourselves. Uh, I don't know if I can call it ourselves, but the next version which is going to take care of the planet's journey from here on. So in 100 years, I really feel that we might be too primitive to be allowed to be on Earth. Yeah, because the only thing we actually did is destroying it. Not <laughs> really, come little. on. Not really, don't look <laughs> at it like that. Of course, while destroying it, we did a lot of beautiful things as well. I think, again, mixed bag. It's, it's both ways. Uh, we've been greedy. We've been too scared because of fear, because of greed, because of other emotions. We've done some stupid things for sure. Uh, but we're not that smart, right? Like I said, that we'll only learn once we do the mistake. It still happens. Like a baby only learns when it falls, right? With humans. Mm -hmm. Like our parents keep telling us don't do this don't do that we don't listen to them and once we do it we remember that okay somebody told me not to do it but i'll only truly learn once i do that mistake that's one of the integral parts of being a human being that earlier information but actually yeah 
no, but no, actually no. it's a really really relieving thought that um, it's just part of our circle that we it do is. here it is it is so that I we vanish do. because we created something different that takes care yeah yeah no yeah so that's my theory <laughs> it's a really good theory no it's really good Glad. and we already we already reached the last question unfortunately sure what means architecture for you personally oh uh again uh it's a pretty big question and uh mm. it's i've kind of thought about it sometimes so I'll, t I'll answer your question in two ways like on a daily basis i don't think about this right like we none of us think about this that what architecture is uh so while practicing it is pretty playful uh so it's like something you do it's like you play um so so like i said i i wonder a lot i'm interested in a lot of things i look around and uh, it kind of does something to me as a human being that information is processed in my head in a certain way and at that particular time uh when i might be dealing with one particular project or two particular projects which i'm dealing in and i would like to try and incorporate those those ideas or uh, into that project so when i look at a bigger picture i feel that architecture is one of the best mediums uh which allows one to kind of uh look at everything around us record it in a certain way because our perceptions are going to be different in the same context individually uh so perceive it in a certain way uh record it in a certain way and then apply it in a certain way so uh and and basically every project has this potential like if we go back to what we were talking earlier that i'm here right now and uh, i'm doing a project and i'm living in a certain time in a certain place and i would like to kind of record that information and put it into a piece which is for now a building a factory or a cafe or a house so it might tell a story uh if it lasts some years uh about the times which it was built in uh the parameters or the concerns people had at that time uh and the parameters so it's just like it's it's like any other faculty of arts or faculty where we try to express but it's it's much more complex but i like this aspect of architecture a lot uh, where i said that rationality of course we can take care of but this is where uh, i think it gets interesting this is why i think uh, i'm interested in architecture really nice last sentence and description thank you very much that you were my guest it was a pleasure talking to you same here and same actually here. i would and actually mm. i would like to have part two because of the vanishing of human race this would be really <laughs> nice if we could talk about this a little bit more <laughs> so so there is this uh so i don't know if if you're running out of time we'll keep it for later but yep let's do the part two i mean let me know whenever this was this week's episode we really hope you liked it as much as we did if you have comments suggestions critic please let us know and till next time on what's next ciao ciao